You're listening to the Creating a Brand podcast, where we deliver weekly interviews on topics to help entrepreneurs make their first or next step in business the right one. I am your host, Alex Sanfilippo. Do you feel in control of your habits or do they seem to control you? Most of us would agree that we feel that we are on autopilot most of the time and our habits are driving us, which makes sense. But if you're an entrepreneur who wants to change parts of your life for the better, there is a way that you can intentionally change your habits. In today's episode, I am joined by Charles Duhigg. He is the best-selling author of the book titled The Power of Habit, Why We Do What We Do in Life and in Business. In this episode, Charles explains exactly how we can begin to reprogram our minds to adopt better habits and as a result, change our lives for the better. I personally learned so much from this interview and I hope that you learn as much from it as I did. For links to resources that will be mentioned during this episode, please visit creatingabrand.com slash 146. And now here is my conversation with Charles Duhigg. Charles, welcome to the Creating a Brand podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to have this opportunity to speak with you today. Over the last week, I read your book, The Power of Habits, and I actually just finished it this morning. But ever since the first day I picked it up and got through that first chapter, I can't get it out of my mind. Um, when I say that, it's like I'm viewing conversations differently and kind of looking at the world differently. For lack of a better term, I feel like I was living in the matrix and I finally took the red pill and stepped out of it. Thanks to this book. So I appreciate what you wrote here. I found it very helpful for myself. Oh, good. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, absolutely. And by the way, 18,000 reviews on on Amazon. I saw that. That's that's pretty amazing. Yeah, it's been nice. It's been nice that, that it's resonated with so many people. Yeah, uh, absolutely. So today we're going to be talking about habits. And habits are an interesting thing because we've all got them, right? And many of us, we want to change our habits or improve them. We want to have, we have new ones that we want to create. This is something that we've we've all gotten. And entrepreneurs, I feel like we're kind of like a heightened sense of this in many ways. And during this conversation today, I'd love for you to be able to teach me and the listeners how we can build the habits we want and be able to be set up to succeed both in life and in business. But before we do that, I think probably the best place to start, maybe the obvious question is just for a definition of what a habit is. Yeah, so a habit is a choice that you make at some point. And, and then you stop making the choice, but you continue acting on it, right? And, and there's been a lot of research that's been done to try and figure out how much of what we do every single day is a choice and how much is a habit. Uh, a professor named Wendy Wood, who's now at USC, followed around the hundreds of people for months. And she discovered that about 40 to 45% of what we do every day is a habit, right? It's something that we do unthinkingly, where we thought about it at one point. At, at one point, you had to concentrate really hard to back your car out of the driveway. And the more and more you did it, the more and more it became automatic. Or at one point, when you walked into the cafeteria, you really thought about what you're going to have to eat that day. But now, now you tell your spouse, oh, I'm going to have a salad today at lunch. And when you walk into the cafeteria, without actually almost thinking about it, you walk over to the sandwich station and get that unhealthy sandwich that you get every day. Our brain has a part of it known as the basal ganglia that exists exclusively to make habits. And every animal has a basal ganglia. It's, it's been key to why some species can evolve. And, and these habits, they mean that when we're walking down the street and, and we see a, a rock versus an apple, we don't have to think really hard about which one to put in our mouth and, or that we can take, you know, sort of the daily activities and put them in the background so we can invent fire or video games or aircraft carriers. But it also means that when these habits emerge in our life, that we sometimes are prisoners to them without realizing that we are because they just happen automatically. 
You know, you mentioned some of those mundane things or the things that become mundane, one of them being backing a car out of a drive. I remember the first time I did that, how I was like thinking in my mind, I will never be able to get this, right? Because there's so many pieces of that puzzle. I think some of us decided that it became a habit a little too soon and they run over the, uh, they run over something on the way out every single day, right? But uh, yeah. for most of us, it, it like you're saying, it does truly just become automatic. And to take this level deeper, can you explain a little bit more about what's actually happening in our brain when a habit is emerging? Yeah. So every habit has three components. And, and this has been the big insight over the last 20 years. It, there's... It, there's a cue, which is like a trigger for an automatic behavior to start, and then a routine, which is the behavior itself, and then finally a reward. And that reward is how your brain learns to, to make those three things into a clump and make them automatic. And what's happening is that inside your brain is, is that the neural pathways that associate that cue, that routine, and that reward, they become thicker and thicker over time as that behavior is repeated. And because they become thicker, it's easier for an electrical impulse to flow down down those connections. And so literally what you're doing is you're creating in your brain a neural pathway that takes a cue and says, okay, when I see that cue, I'm going to automatically, increasingly automatically do this routine, this behavior, because I know that it's going to deliver to me this reward that I'm that I'm looking forward to. And and it's the creation of this neural pathway that's incredibly powerful in determining how that behavior unfolds. So you call us the habit loop. And again, that's the cue, the routine and the reward. Yes. Uh, to kind of take this a little bit further, because you also talk about the, the craving brain. Can you talk about what that means and how it really relates to this habit loop? Yeah. So the question is, like, what drives this habit loop, right? Like, why, when you see that cue, do you do you? do the behavior in order to get the, re the reward? And the answer is that as our brain becomes accustomed to, to connecting a cue to a reward, we start to, to crave that reward. So, so one of the things that we know, and I'm sure everyone has experienced this, is like, you know, you might not be hungry at all or like be thinking about having a donut until you pass the box of donuts in the break room or until you pass the place where you always buy donuts. And then your brain will begin actually craving that donut. It, it'll actually begin anticipating the, the neurotransmitters, the reward sensation that's going to get when you put that donut into your mouth and you taste the carbohydrates and the sugar. And that craving is what sort of propels forward the habit loop. And so that's really important because one of the things that we know is that if if you start to feel that craving, right, if you start anticipating that reward sensation and it doesn't materialize, what happens in our brain is something that's very similar to depression. Like depression is actually when there is, it, for many people, uh, a slight depression, a feeling of depression is what happens when you begin craving a certain sensation and that sensation fails to materialize. And that's really powerful, right? We've all felt that before. We felt how powerful mm -hmm. it is to not be hungry in the morning and then pass the, the donut place and smell the donuts and the cues are going off in our brain. And then we're like, can't think about anything else besides getting a donut. You start craving it. And that's really important to recognize because it means that as you understand more and more more about how your own habits work, you gain power over changing them. So we're talking about this, this craving here, is that the same thing as the, the cue? Or is it what actually falls into the cue? Uh, I'm trying to make sure I understand no, the, the difference. The, between cue, those two. the cue is something that triggers that sense of craving. Okay, I got you. Okay. So a craving is something that that you feel right, whereas mm -hmm. a cue is is most of the time something that's external. It's usually a time of day, a particular place, the presence of certain other people, uh, a 
particular emotion that you've come to associate with a certain behavior, uh, preceding behaviors that have become ritualized. But a cue is something that's really like external. It's a trigger uh, that triggers that craving. And that craving is what propels the habit loop. Okay, that makes sense. Thank you for clarifying that. And in a moment here, we're going to get into how to actually create habits. Before we do that, I want to quickly mention, you've heard everything I'm about to say, and all the listeners can relate to this, but every entrepreneur I talk to, whether they're brand new to the entrepreneurship world, or they've been at it for years, they've all got habits that they say they want to remove. Like they say, I want to remove these habits. And some common examples would include things like scrolling mindlessly on social media, whenever there's like a, a dull moment uh, during the workday, or being exhausted at the end of the day and turning on the TV for two hours, they don't really want to do that. Or one more example here would be grabbing fast food every day, even though they say they're going to be sticking to a stricter diet, but they just don't have the time to do that. All these things, I believe, are, are habits we've created. And to kind of pose this in question form now, all these entrepreneurs tell me, and, and I've said this as well, like we want to remove these bad habits. But my question is, is it actually possible to remove a bad habit once it's been put in place? Well, we have this unfortunate phrase in our vocabulary to break a bad habit, right? And and the thing is that that's the wrong way of thinking about it. Because as I mentioned, you get those sort of neural links in your brain. Those neural links exist forever. So there's been experiments that have done where they've taken rats and they've put them in mazes and trained them in certain habitual behaviors. Then they'll remove the rats from the mazes for like a year. But when they drop them back in, as long as the cues are stable and the rewards are stable, that habit will come back immediately. Because we have these neural pathways that are associated with that behavior, and, and, and unless they're overwritten, they stay there. So the much better way to think about this is not breaking a bad habit or extinguishing a bad habit, but rather changing a bad habit to a different behavior that corresponds to the old cue and delivers something similar to the old reward. And within the, the psychology, this is actually known as the golden rule of habit change, which says you shouldn't try and extinguish a bad habit or repress a bad habit. You should focus on changing the behavior. And so like, let's take, for instance, you know, you mentioned um, watching TV if you're tired when you get home after a long day of work. You know, if you just say, look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go home and I'm not going to watch TV tonight, you're pretty much setting yourself up for failure, right? Because you don't right. know what you're going to do as an alternative. Or if you say, instead of like watching TV, I'm going to go home and I'm going to, you know, do math problems. Well, like the reason you're going home and watching TV is because you're mentally exhausted, right? It's the television is delivering some reward to you that you clearly crave. And if you and if you don't find an alternative behavior that delivers something similar to that old reward, then through willpower, you can definitely make yourself not watch TV for a couple of days. But over time, you're going to have a bad day. You're going to be super exhausted. You're going to be feeling stressed out and you're going to revert to that old behavior. You're that you're going to let that old habit come forward. So what's much better is to say, okay, look, the cue for this behavior is that when I get home from work, I'm exhausted. I don't have any willpower muscle left. The the reward I get from watching TV is that it's just I, I keep on watching like sort of like dumb, funny things, right? It's entertaining, right. but I don't have to concentrate on it. I need something that feels like entertaining and fun and doesn't feel like work and allows me to like stop thinking about my day and all the like challenges I have. So doing math problems is not going to do that. Like reading philosophy is not going to do that. Right. But if I read this like fun science fiction book that I like, that's going to that's going to do the that's going to deliver a similar reward, right? It's entertaining, it's easy, it's fun. I don't really have to remember what's going on because it's just like super simple. Then then that, you're much more likely to change your habit and to start reading rather than watching TV. But the other thing I would say is you also need to like recognize that coming home from a long day and watching TV 
is not the worst thing on the face of the planet, right? You're doing that because you need it, because there's something inside your brain that's saying, I need to relax. And if, if you don't pay attention to that, if you, don't un, if you don't pay attention to your own cravings, what you tend to do is you tend to make it very hard for your brain to recalibrate, to, to reach homeostasis, which is what our brain really wants. Our brain, our brain wants to be in balance. So, you know, now if you're eating fast food every night, obviously that is bad. You don't want to eat fast food every night. And so you need to ask yourself, like, what is the reward that the fast food is delivering to me? My guess is that the reward is this is simple and thoughtless and easy. And when I eat it, it tastes good enough because fast food isn't really that good, right? But it tastes good enough. So then the question becomes, okay, can if I if I'm going to replace fast food a fast food habit with another kind of eating habit, then I know that the rewards I'm looking for is it has to be fast, it has to be easy, and it has to be good enough. So don't sign up for one of those meal kits where you have to cook it yourself. What you could do is you could sign up for meal delivery services, or you could you know on a Sunday make a bunch of meals that you can freeze and then stick in the microwave and heat up really really quickly that you know is stuff that you like. Or in my case, like I buy these like frozen ramen packets that like take like you know like all of seven minutes to uh to to cook and put together and they taste really good right but that's the key is to basically sit down and say like look like what's the reward that's driving this habit and instead of simply saying like i'm gonna extinguish this behavior i'm gonna extinguish my craving for the reward just say is there something else some better behavior that can satisfy this craving that can give me a reward that's similar to what i'm what the old habit was was delivering and and if the answer is like i'm just going to pretend like that craving doesn't exist that's that's not a good that's not a good approach hey alex sanfilippo here and i want to take a quick moment to intentionally serve the world with you here's what i want you to do think of the one person you know who would most benefit from listening to this episode today now i want you to send it to them but also include an encouraging note explaining why you share this episode with them specifically by doing this you're helping me grow this podcast and you're also adding value to the people you care about with that said thank you for your continued support it means the world to me and now let's get back to today's episode This is interesting. So we're talking about not removing habits, but actually changing them, basically reforming them to, to something else. And does it all begin with identifying the routine? Is that, if I understand, that's like kind of the first thing you want to look at, right? Is the routine or are you looking at the reward or the, the cue first? Like, where do you really start with that? I mean, it doesn't really matter. Like everyone knows what the routine is, right? It's like, I want to stop, you know, getting angry at you know, at coworkers. Like, you know what the routine is, you're getting angry. Like that's, mm-hmm. if, if you can't identify the routine, then you don't really need to worry about it. There's nothing for you to change. <laughs> Good point. Good point. But, but once you once you know what that routine is, then you start thinking like trying to figure out like what's the cue and what's the reward. Right. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Because I think that this is a, probably a really good practice to sit down, not necessarily to list out all of your your bad routines or habits necessarily, although that might not be a terrible thing. But I'm trying to think of like a really practical way that I could begin deciding where to begin improving and how to like do that strategically. Is that a practice that you've ever put into place or that you recommend to people? Well, I don't know. What's a habit that you want to change? So one of which is spending too much time on my phone. Uh, So example, when there is downtime, it's real easy for me just to grab the phone. Like I had 30 minutes before this interview that I was prepared. It's easy for me just to pick my phone and start scrolling. And that's something that I, I guess is a little bit relaxing maybe, but I'm not even really sure why I do that anyway. But that's something I'd like to change. Well, so... I mean, I think the first question is, why do you want to change that? Like, why do you think that that's a that's not a good habit? 
So for me, now, at the end of the day, I don't see it necessarily being a, a bad habit, or maybe it could be because it keeps me up at night. But um, if it's right before I'm doing a conversation like this, I find that it, I'm a little bit distracted right when I get in the conversation. I'd, la- I'd rather get myself mentally prepared for something like an interview with with a, a big name like Charles, right? Like, I want to make sure that I'm, I'm prepared for that. So instead of picking it up, I want to find something else that keeps my mind focused in the direction that I'm supposed to be going for the day. Okay, so so and I think this is important, right? What you what you want is you want something that focuses you before the interview starts, so that you're not mm-hmm. going from like looking at your phone to being to being on the on you know on an interview right away. So so that's that's a very specific goal that you have, right? That's not about like changing your behavior when you're standing in line. That's about changing your behavior Correct. before an interview. So, okay. So, so what were you doing right before you got on, on this call with me to start this interview? So I was checking some of my text messages. Okay. Okay. You were checking your text messages and you were doing that for one minute, for five minutes, for 10 minutes. I would say five, but it's probably more like 15. You know how it feels, how it goes with phones, right? <laughs> okay. Okay. So for 15 minutes, so, so for 15 minutes and, and what do you think the cue was there? Like what were you doing right before you started check, looking at your text messages? I finished planning the episode. Like I knew what I wanted to talk about at that point. I'd been back over it, making sure that it was going to be good for the listeners. And at that point I kind of felt like, okay, I'm done. And now I've got 25 minutes before I'll be on with Charles. So I was just kind of like killing time, if you will, at that point. Okay. Okay. So it sounds like the, the cue for you is sort of a preceding behavior that, that you had sort of finished one task. You had some, you had some, a gap of time and you were trying to figure out how to fill it. My guess is that it's also that like you had like a little moment of boredom, right? Like you're like Correct. waiting for this call to start. You're like, can't start another project. So I think the cue is a preceding behavior, but it's also an emotional state um, that you feel that you felt a, uh, a little bit of boredom. And so your instinct was to gr- reach for your phone. And what do you think the reward is? To have no messages in my text inbox, if you will. But that's not a reward. That's a, that's a state, right? Like, like nobody ever says like, oh my gosh, like I had the best day because I had no messages in my <laughs> box. Like, like what's the actual reward that, that that is giving you? Uh, it, it really kind of fixed the, I guess, the boredom in that moment. It made me feel like I was still like achieving things throughout my day and not having a break with that. Okay. So it gave you a sense of, of accomplishment. And it sounds like probably like it, it ameliorated that sense of, of boredom a little bit. Correct. Mm-hmm. Okay. So now we know what, what's going on, right? Like when you, the next time you're in a situation where you have basically a 20 minute gap where you don't have anything to do, What's a behavior that you could do that would give that would that would be less boring than just sitting around and waiting and that would give you a sense of accomplishment? Probably something more like uh, straightening up my, my office a little bit would probably be a much better one to be doing. Well, I mean, you can only straighten up your office so many times, True. right? Like, <laughs> that's, like that's, that's not a repeatable behavior, but like, what's something that is a repeatable behavior? I don't know. Like, what else, what else have you done yesterday or today that gave you a sense of accomplishment? So finishing reading your book was, was a big sense of accomplishment for me. Okay. Okay. So, so it sounds like reading is like something that like you, you get something from. It for certainly sure. is like. Yeah ameliorates boredom, right? Because like, you're kind of learning something. So what I would say is like, look, if you want to stop yourself from, from checking your phone, whenever you have these 20 minute gaps, and again, I'm not certain that 
you should stop yourself from doing that because I don't know that that's such a bad habit. But let's say you really do want to. You're like, you're like, look, like I keep on, I lose four hours a day to checking my phone because I keep on having these gaps. So the behavior that we've that you need to experiment with is you're going to read instead of checking your phone for new messages. And it's pretty easy to do this, right? Like you can either have a book on your desk where like you've already started it and you can just pick it up. You can have Kindle on your phone, right? So that instead of hitting the, the message thing, you can hit the Kindle thing and just start reading. And, and again, you want something like it sounds like you're checking your messages because it, it's sort of entertaining to you. Like there's a sense of novelty. Mm-hmm. So you want a book that you enjoy reading. You don't want it to be like, you know, Wittgenstein that you're like, Oh, let me try right. and read two pages. You want like some like fun, like adventure story or something like that. And then you just try that. You just try that. The next time you feel this instinct, this craving to go check your phone and your messages. And you think, and and you know that you're not doing this because like you actually need to check your messages. You're just doing it because like you're bored open up the Kindle app, read for 20 minutes, see if it makes that craving go away. My guess is that it probably will. I love that. This was a cool little experiment we walked through there. I appreciate you uh, giving me that opportunity to be coached a little bit. That was cool. Sure. Really helpful there. And, you know, this makes me think of something else that that I've heard people say, and it's always been disheartening to me. And I, I don't know if you've heard it a lot as well, but have you ever met somebody who just feels completely powerless when it comes to their habits? And they, they say that they cannot change. What do you say to somebody who just feels like they have something that they can't, they just can't seem to figure out how to get away from it? I mean, I think that there are people who have addictions, right? And, and addictions are oftentimes habit dysfunctions. And so I think that they feel like they're addicted to certain behaviors, Um, and you know, so I'd say two things, first of all, that it's always helpful to go talk to someone who's a therapist that when, if, if you really have a habit that you can't change, that you're like a prisoner to, then like talking to a therapist is usually a good thing to do. And there's actually a type of therapy called cognitive behavioral therapy that, that is built entirely around trying to change habits, um, and, and make adjustments. But the second thing I would say is you know, oftentimes when we say like, I have this behavior and I wish I could stop this behavior and I don't know why it's so hard for me to stop this behavior. That's what people say much more frequently, right? Like mm-hmm. if I'm so smart, like why, why can't I make myself exercise in the morning? I would say that what you need to do is you need to sort of break that behavior down and start thinking about like the cues and rewards that could drive it. Like let's take exercise as an example, right? So there was, there's been a bunch of experiments that have been done that have shown that if you sit down with people who want to exercise and you say, okay, choose a cue, like put your running shoes next to your bed or, or plan on meeting your friend at the gym every Wednesday night, like choose an obvious cue to help yourself exercise. And then when you do exercise, as soon as you are done exercising, and, and by the way, by exercise, I mean like put your running shoes next to your bed and like walk around the block twice, right? Like don't try and like run five miles at first, right. make it, make it a really small, really accomplishable habit. Or when you go to, when you go to the gym and meet your friend, you know, only plan on being there for like 20 or 25 minutes. Like, like don't, don't make this something that's really hard. As soon as you do that, as soon as you're done with the behavior, Reward yourself. Give yourself like a nice smoothie. Let yourself enjoy a beer. Take a nice long shower, right? Because what you're trying to do is you're trying to say to your brain, look, when you do, when I do this behavior, I get something pleasant as a result. And your brain will start making that connection. Here's the cue. Here's the routine. Here's the reward. I want to make this behavior easier and easier and easier. Now, think about the mistake most people make when they do start an exercise routine, right? They 
they wake up and they say, okay, I'm going to go exercise today. They like push themselves out of bed. They like look for their running clothes. They put their running clothes on. They get out the door. They go and they run. They come home. Now they're running late, right? So the kids need to be fed. And so they like jump in the shower and they take a shower as fast as they can. And, and the kids are like upset because they haven't had any breakfast. So you feed them breakfast and then you jump in the car and you're running late to drop them off for school. So you, you drop them off for school, but you're kind of like stressed out about it and you get to your desk and you're like 10 minutes late getting to your desk. And so you're kind of sweaty because you were like paranoid about like not making it on time. Basically what you've done is you've punished yourself for exercising. And your brain pays attention to those rewards and punishments. Your brain says, this exercise thing is terrible. Like afterwards, I feel stressed out and I feel sweaty and I feel like, you know, I don't get to have a, like a nice shower. I'm going to make this harder to do next time because I don't like it. So if somebody has a habit that they're trying to create, the first thing to do is to figure out exactly what they want to do, not to have a goal but to have a plan for specific behavior to make that behavior pretty easy because you want to, you want it to be something you're definitely going to succeed at. So, so don't shoot for the stars, shoot for something small and really easy to accomplish and then give yourself a, have a cue to remind you to do it and then give yourself a reward right away. And I think people will find that their behavior starts to change. I couldn't agree more. And I'll tell you what, I've never been able to put my finger on how to do this exactly before reading your book. But this conversation was just so helpful. And I appreciate you helping me through one of the things I'm working through myself, but also just some of these great examples that you have here. Really just an insightful conversation. And before we end our time together, I want to ask, do you have any final thoughts for us today? Any habit can be changed, right? I, I think that there's this feeling when you're in the grip of a habit that that it's never going to change, that it's so hard, that like you're stuck with something. But there is someone in this world who today has been smoking for years, decades, and they are going to stop smoking today and will never have another cigarette. There is someone in this world who, you know, is overweight and today they will go on a diet and that diet will work and that diet will work for the rest of their lives. There are literally hundreds, thousands of people who change the hardest habits every single day. And, and we don't read newspaper stories about them because it's not exceptional. It's not, it's not unusual. And so if you're someone who's, who's stuck in a behavior, a habitual behavior, and you're saying to yourself, it feels like I can't change this, just know that any habit can be changed. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how ingrained that behavior is. Any habit can be changed if you're methodical about it, if you break that down into the cues, the routines, and the rewards, and if you start paying attention to what's going on inside your brain, you can change anything. Love that, Charles. That's a motivational way to end this episode. I so appreciate your time today. It was an honor getting to talk to you. You too. During our interview, Charles helped me to come up with a way to change a habit that I've been wanting to do something about for some time now. The solution I came up with is this. Instead of checking my text messages during downtime, I'll replace that action of clicking on the text message app with reading a Star Wars book that I've always wanted to pick up. And yes, I know I'm a nerd. One thing that I liked about this episode is that Charles and I did not see eye to eye on what's a good or bad habit necessarily. And the point is this. For each of us, it's going to look different as we continuously improve and make progress in our lives and in our businesses. What's important is that we understand that we are in control of the habits that we have and we can change them for our own good at any time. Charles, thank you again for being a guest and sharing your wisdom with all of us today. For links to Charles Duhigg's website and book, The Power of Habit, please visit creatingabrand.com slash 146. Thank you as always for listening. I'm looking forward to bringing you another Masterclass episode next week. Next week.